Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You want to be that uh, David Bowie song? Jiggy, play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. We have all sorts of problems with the air conditioning. So, the thermostat is broke once again, because it was broke last year. So, we are now having (laughs) to wait on a repairman. Now, of course, I have to do this with the one ear. I have to do the old Hulk Hogan. As you can see, Peter behind me, he's on patrol as well. Because... Supposedly, the air conditioning man came over yesterday and knocked on the door three times, according to the according to the absentee landlord. And so I have to be on patrol with the one ear. So it's great. Okay, we're going to do this. We are going to go to Pam Oaks. She is going to join us here in just a few moments. And uh, she's great. I love Pam Oaks. I've got quite the story today for Pam Oaks. We'll, 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 we'll get into that. Pita Bull is over here. So it's, it's all sorts of fun, kids. And we'll go to Pam Oaks here. Hopefully here in just a few moments she will join us. Why, hello there. There is the fantastic Pam Oaks. Star, stage, and screen, Pam Oaks. 
And, um, you know, it is just all sorts of fun here today. I have, um, as I was telling everybody before we got you on, um, basically because I live in a white trash apartment area um, and we have an absentee landlord, um, the thermostat has broke. So we are waiting on the repairman to show up. So I apparently have have to operate the show today with only one ear in my headphones. So it's going to be all sorts of fun today. Um, but I have a story for you. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, Pam. Um, first off, Pam Oaks, I sent you a video... Uh, a link to a video uh, from Exotica last week. I sent it to your email, so hopefully you get it. And uh, you'll be able to see uh, me in all my glory. Um, Pam, are you still with us? Can you hear me? I don't know if she can hear us. It her, She's muted. Uh, I don't here. know why. Can you hear me? don't know why she's muted. Nope. But I'm, uh, I'm are here. you? There we are. No, she's muted again. What? 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 What is the deal with her being muted? I'm being edited. <laughs> I don't know what, what the hell's say. going on. Are you still with us there? I'm still here. Okay. Well, I sent you a video. Um, yes. It is a link to Pegan the Stallion, uh, basically whooping my ass last week at Exotica in Chicago. <laughs> so you'll be able to see that. In all its glory, I'm dressed like a candy cane, so it, it's it's fun. Um, but I do have a uh, sort of an automotive story for you today. Yes. Um, earlier today, I I I don't know why they got to make it so hard, but I went to the uh, driver's license place. Now, of course, I haven't had a driver's license for ten years. Part of the reason why I haven't had a driver's license for 10 years is because I cannot stand the way people drive in Hutchinson, Kansas. And uh, I just decided I'm just going to give up the license because I'm done with the nonsense. So I decided, well, we are doing a lot more trips and Brittany has got all sorts of issues with just the way she drives and how she drives and just being who she is. Um, so I thought, well, we would go get the license just so I can have it. So when we go on these trips, I can, I can, uh, I can, I can drive. So I went ahead and went down to the driver's license place and they ran my stuff and they said, well, you have a suspended license. And I said, okay, well, why do I have this? Why do I have this? Because I voluntarily gave this up years ago. I was just like, we're done. So they were like, well, do you owe child support? (laughs) And I'm like, no. (laughs) Even though when I was married to Jamie years and years ago, and she had two kids from a previous marriage, she tried chasing me for child support for a little bit, and then that didn't go anywhere because they weren't my actual kids. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like, no. Oh my and, god! And they're like, well, what about insurance? And I'm like, I just kind of gave up the license. So they looked up all sorts of things and they couldn't find anything. Of course, typical Hutchinson, Kansas. 
So they had me get a hold of the uh, people in Topeka. And they told me that, well, it was because I didn't have SR-22 insurance. Which was a big scam here in Kansas for a little bit. And then they finally decided that they... Apparently, they they required enough people to get that that enough people said no. And so then all of a sudden, they started this program where they were going to give everybody amnesty so they could get everybody back on the driver's license rolls because they're losing money, I guess. So they told me, and this is so funny. They're like, well, you'll have to send us a $100 reinstatement fee, which that's really what they want. They want the money. Yeah. They want the money, Lebowski. But then I also had to send them a handwritten letter that said, I do not own a vehicle, and then I have to have it notarized. And I'm like, are you kidding me? don't because you're not on the tax roll or tax. (laughs) So... I decided I was going to go out to the I was going to go out to Walmart and get those big giant crayons that they give for kindergartners. And I was going to write that statement on a piece of paper and send it to them. So so instead of doing that, we just went ahead and wrote that out and then I went to a bank and had them notarize it and they're like, "Why are we doing this?" And I said, "This is what they told me they had to do." Well, here's the deal. They don't really give a shit about the letter. They just want the money. But they feel bad about just asking me for the money. So they're like, well, we need the $100 fee plus this other thing. So we're going to see what happens. Oh, they make it sound official? I guess. It is just the strangest thing. But... Everything's like that. Um... What do you have for us this week as far as uh, auto care and all these things? Oh, well, I don't have an interesting story like that, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How bizarre. I mean. It is, it is, it is the strangest yeah. deal. That, that's like today. I w- we went, when we went to the driver's license place, I just walked in. They opened at 8 a.m. I just walked in, and they were like, well, do you have an appointment? And we're like, No. So we just sat in the chair. Well, then there was two people that came from behind us, and they had appointments at 8.40, and they got right in. And I'm like, man, what time is it? And I look at the clock. It's 8.20. So time doesn't matter. Appointments don't really matter. And then we got up to the counter, and there was some random, like, doofy character who came in right behind us. And they were trying to flag him in in front of us. And it took the cop that works at the driver's license place to go, No, 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 he's next. And they're like, No, he's next. And they're like, No, he's been sitting here for 20 minutes. He's next. It is the strangest thing. And then they... Somebody ahead of us, they charged this woman who was getting her driver's license, they charged this little girl to, for the test. Charged her 10 bucks. I'm like, I always thought the test was free. Oh, you mean a sample test? I, I'm not sure what the hell, but she had to pay a fee. She had to pay 10 bucks. Take the test. 
I'm like, okay, whatever. So it, it's wow. it's just insane. I, I a lot of people making money on this. I, I just yeah, they are. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> what do you have for us today, my friend? <laughs> I have a DMV horror story. Okay. Let's <laughs> start on that. And so um, I was going to get my CDL license just because I wanted my CDL license. Yes. And they're having this big thing, the ELTD, that you have to take this 30-hour course as of February 7th. Okay. Before you can get your CDL. But if you get it before, like I did days before, you don't have to take this exam. And all it is is basically uh, they just really uh, take a deep dive into uh, different components on the track. Personally, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. If you, know, if you haven't been in tech for decades and, you know, you don't know all the idiosyncrasies of what's going on underneath the cab. But... Uh, so I did this, and I have natural monovision. And that's where one eye sees close, and the other one sees far. Okay. Which really screwed everybody up when I was a kid, because they stuck glasses on me, and I'd get headaches. And it's because they were fighting this natural monovision. I was going to ophthalmologists who evidently didn't know this. So, needless to say, the clerk... Who's doing, who's doing the CDL restrictive till I take the test next week, says to me, well, we have to put a restriction on this. And I said, why? And she says, because you have monovision. And I says, do you know what monovision is? And she says, no. And I says, then how do you know I need a restriction? <laughs> Needless to say, she got up from her desk and she came back and she says, we figured it out. She says, you can't drive a truck outside the state of Florida. So evidently, when I leave the state of Florida and I'm driving in a rental or whatever, my vision is completely different than what it is when I'm driving in Florida. Wow. <laughs> so I did the right thing. I says, whatever, and appealed to Tallahassee. I have yet to hear from them, though. But you are at their mercy, and... Basically, the moral of the story is just say, okay, whatever, and we'll go to the state capitol and work this out. Because, evidently, they haven't been trained. Which well, morphs into you know what I think is, is tech working on your car. It, How's it, that? How's it, that for a spin? It's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so strange. Well, a couple years ago... When I thought I was going to be moving to the rolling progressive city of Spencer, Iowa, um, we decided, hey, just for the hell of it, let's just stop in and see what we could do about getting a driver's license. And they pretty much told me, they're like, well, give us two pieces of mail and we'll give you a license. But wow. in Kansas, I got to jump through all sorts of hoops. Wow. They used to have this thing that they did here in Kansas, which was a... Especially here in Hutch, it was going to be a big scam. But um, they used to do this thing called SR-22, where you had to have this, this insurance to have insurance. And they told me at the uh, driver's license place here in Hutchinson that basically I needed to go get the SR-22, which I think was 75 bucks. So I would go get that. 
then they would have, then the state would have to send the driver's license people in Reno County and Hutch proof that I've gotten this SR-22. Now, they're not going to touch it for 30 days. I could go get it tomorrow, send it. They're not touching it for 30 days. And then after 30 days are up, I would go into the DMV here in Hutch and Reno County would, would you know, give me the written test and all the stuff. And then if I happen to miss, you know, I happen to screw up on the written test, I could take it three times, then I had to wait another 30 days. And so, okay, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so I send the state $75, I wait 30 days, I send them another I go in to take the test. I, let's say, screw up the driver's test three times. Then I have to send them another $75. Oh, my God. I'm already in the hole, and I haven't even got a license yet. Wow. And so that's when I decided, okay, we're not doing this. So I just didn't. And so now, a couple about a year ago, I think they did this to a lot of people because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they dropped the SR-22 requirement, and they had this thing where you could get a hold of this, get a hold of legal aid, and they would go in and they would they would do amnesty for your driver's license they would give you back your license and it was basically the goal was to get people back on the street and <laughs> having driver's licenses and i'm like so they lost that much money <laughs> so this this uh, extra fee is sr fee yes where did that money go to oh i'm assuming it went into the state of Kansas somehow. Oh, like the general fund? I would assume. I, I, I remember when I lived in Salina, Kansas, which which is so strange, but when I lived in Salina, when we first moved to Salina, we started seeing all sorts of people riding bikes everywhere. And we're like, wow, this is like a big community for biking. And huh. we found out later that everybody in the fucking town had a DUI. Oh my God. They were all on bikes because they couldn't. <laughs> and then I was like, so they got all these DUIs. Well, then they used to do this thing in the park every during the summer, every Thursday night. They would do like a free concert in the park and you could come down and they'd have all these different bands and they would have these huge bands come in. That That's like... Um, one of my buddies, Anthony Gomes, who at one point was the number one Billboard Blues artist, he was going to be on one of these shows. And I'm like, I know Anthony's fee is like $3,500. That guy doesn't leave his couch unless you pay him $3,500. I'm like, so he's going to be in the park for $3,500? And so that night... That he was supposed to be there. There was in in Salina, Kansas. He's like a god up there. They fucking roll out the red carpet for Anthony. So everybody and their brothers going to this concert, and I keep hearing from all sorts of people. Oh, Anthony's going to be in the park. Anthony's going to be in the park. 
So I call Anthony right before this uh, this event is supposed to kick off. And he's like, hey, I'm not playing. <laughs> I said, why is that? Now, of course, the entire park is packed. It's yeah. it's like, ironically, I use this, use this reference. It's like the Beatles were going to be there. Well, I was right. Because they had double booked Anthony Gomes with something called 1964 The Tribute, which was a Beatles tribute. Uh-huh. And so this head of this parks department, who I guess thought all those people were there to see him, I don't know. He comes out on stage and he goes, oh, is everybody ready for the band? Everybody's all cheering because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And all of a sudden he goes, we got 1964 The Tribute coming on. And here comes these fucking guys in Elvis out or uh, Beatles outfits. It would have been funnier if they were all a little luck like Elvis doing Be- Beatles songs. But they all came out dressed like the Beatles. There was more people in your house right now than there was in that park. <laughs> oh there was oh. nobody. It cleared out. It's like a bomb went off. Wow. But the thing that got me was that they double booked Gomes. But they yeah. still sent him his 3500 bucks, And I'm like, how are they doing this to be able to just go, oh, we've got so much money, we're just going to screw it off and just throw Anthony 3500 bucks, And we're just going to give him money and just say, sorry, we'll maybe do it next year. Well, come to find out, the reason that those concerts, how they were able to do those concerts is they were using the money from the DUIs. <laughs> <laughs> So there were so many DUIs in the city of Salina, Kansas, that they were able to pay for concerts in the park. So I don't know. It's it, it the material writes itself. I guess I, I don't know. It does. Well, as, Pam, as we say in the shop, you just can't make the stuff up. <laughs> it is it is very interesting. Well, before we let you go. How do we get in touch with you online, social media, the websites, everything? Uh, you can reach me at findmeautohelp.com. And it's an interactive website, especially for you guys planning your Memorial Weekend vacations. Uh, we have uh, live highway stats uh, throughout wow. 50 states. And we have car care tips. We have ASC Blue Seal shops in case you get stuck. We have tow trucks. It's all right there at findmeautohelp.com. And, of course, uh, send me a line if you have a question, you need a little help. And it's all about keeping money in your wallet and making you a savvy car consumer. Well, that's awesome. Well, Pam, you will have to, uh, Thank you. when you get a chance, check out the video that I sent you. Well, I will. It is on Rumble. I've got it on jiggyjagtv.com. But uh, it is Pegan the Stallion. Um Basically playing cricket with my ass last week in uh, Chicago at Exotica. So I will, uh, you look that over and I will talk to you next Thursday. I can't wait. (laughs) Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you then. Take care. There she goes. The great Pam Oaks with us. Very entertained Pam Oaks today. So let's do this. Let's go to Larry Tracy. Uh, as we continue on here with my one ear, because of course, by God, 
We gotta keep it open because the the heat that the air conditioning guy may knock on the door. Cause remember yesterday he knocked three times. Not one, not two, but three times. I'm gonna go to Larry Tracy. See what we can do here with Larry Tracy, the fantastic Larry Tracy. Maybe. Hello, James. Hello, Larry. How are you, sir? Very good. Well, there is a lot going on. Uh, there always seems to be a lot going on. Every, every Thursday, it seems to culminate. Uh, <laughs> you know, when, when I was growing up, we would get the, the newspaper at 5 o'clock every evening. And a lot of times, there would be some crap on the on the on the cover of the newspaper like uh you know local local dog bites man or whatever and i was always told stuff like well it must be a slow news day well those don't exist anymore that's right everything is a busy news day <laughs> so what is the biggest story this week my friend i guess we'll start there in your opinion well i i i guess would have to say the uh protest against the Roe v. Wade draft and uh, demonstrations uh, against the, uh, the justices' homes. And, and one that I, I personally uh, see here is the uh, attacks against the Catholic Church. I, I, my wife and I are Catholic, and uh, we're concerned uh, in our parish in Bethesda, which is a very blue area, and I was at a meeting last night with a group of men from the parish and the, and the pastor. And one of the things that I pointed out, I said, as a former military intelligence officer, I tend to um, always look and see, well, what's the, the, what's the enemy going to be doing? The enemy is the protest, a group called Ruth Senos. Uh, Ruth Gator Ginsburg is the name they're taking from it. And I said, I think if, if I were in their group, uh, I, it would be our parish would be the one that I would select to hit because we're right across the street from a metro and we're two blocks down from uh, a local television channel, the uh, local uh, Fox channel. And uh, therefore, I said this would be the place where they would get the most publicity. So uh, everybody is on alert for that for uh, Sunday. Nothing happened last week uh, in our parish, but I think it could very well on Mother's Day. I think it could happen again. So that's that's the big thing, that that abomination of a law that was fortunately shot down because Joe Manchin joined. I mean, it was, when I say abomination, it was going to approve abortion right up to the moment of birth. I mean, this is incredible. And I don't think that's going to help them much, even though they think it will in the elections coming up. But it's a very thin one, the fact that you had so many Democrats vote for an act uh, like that. So I, I think this is going to go through a good bit of the summer, and it may well be the dominating issue in the midterm elections, although I think inflation is certainly the, uh, the long-term interest and the fact that the richest country in the world and we cannot find baby formula. And that's going to be a long time, apparently, uh, uh, six to eight weeks before that. Just think of the uh, children, the mothers of newborn children. They can't get the formula. And I remember when our children were young, that was the thing you're always getting the formula to supplement uh, what they would be having. So they, this is a this is a crisis, and how that has occurred. Somehow, I think Biden will blame it on Putin. He's done everything else in blaming it on Putin. He'll probably say now that uh, because of the war in Ukraine, we can't produce enough baby formula. So this is uh, this this is a bad time. But you're right. There's, there's no no slow news day anymore. It's it's always a uh, 
one crisis after another. We have got Larry Tracy with us today. He joins us live here on our big program. And uh, so a story that I saw yesterday on the Drudge Report, which mysteriously disappeared today because there's all sorts of things that happen every day, is that uh, China supposedly is doing a war game exercise of invading uh, Taiwan. Um, what do you think about this? Well, I, I think it's likely. They've been saying about that. They, they consider Taiwan uh, part of China, and they've been invading China. Invading probably isn't the right word, but they've been entering into China, uh, Taiwan's uh, airspace with fighters. Uh, this is going to be a problem. Is the U.S. going to learn this? Are we going to stand up to them? And, of course, then on the conspiracy side is, do the, uh, does the Chinese government have something on on Biden that he'll, they'll use as pressure? So we don't know how it will be, but I, I think we have a, a moral and a strategic obligation to come to Taiwan's aid if they are indeed attacked. Uh, will we? That will be, be the question. Uh, one of the one of the problems with the uh, I don't know if problem is the right word, but arming uh, Ukraine the way we are, we're drawing down on our own war supplies. A lot of those weapons that are being sent over there are coming out of our our own inventory, and uh, that's that's uh, a particular problem if we do have to go to war with anybody. Now, this could be good for the what Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. <laughs> it could start turning out a lot more howitzers and tanks on that, but uh, the, it is not a, a, uh, an empty barrel. We're going to be able to supply Ukraine, but we're weakening our own armed forces at the same time. Now, in Ukraine itself, it appears that the weapons that have been ordered are now starting to pour in, especially the long-range howitzers, which will be ideal down in the eastern part of the country, and I'm, I'm surprised that the Soviets aren't Soviets there. I keep making that slip, James. <laughs> I go back to my time. In a, but really, there is uh, you, might, you might as well, Larry. You, 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 yeah, you might so, as well the call Soviet them what Union they want to be. And, and Putin, are, they seem to be about the same in what he wants to establish. But here, even close to their own supply lines, they're being pushed back. The Ukrainians are, are doing quite a job. Whether we're going to get those people out of that bunker in the steel factory or not, they've gotten the civilians out. They're trying to get the wounded uh, out as well of the military, but apparently the uh, the Russians have had to been forced back a little bit. So it's it's amazing okay. what the Ukrainians you, are able to do. You bring up Larry Tracy. You bring up an excellent um, segue, I guess. Um, I noticed last. I guess it would have been last week, the night that the Roe versus Wade thing broke. Um, there was a whole bunch of people on Twitter asking questions as to how Nancy Pelosi and a bunch of Democrats were able to go over to a war zone and meet with Zelensky. And then the Roe versus Wade thing happened and nobody talked about that anymore. And then the, I think it was last Sunday, uh, Joe Biden went over and met with Zelensky. And the other day I see... The Canadian Prime Minister is meeting with Zelensky. My question to you, being a former military man, how in the world are they doing this when it's a war zone? Well, they're getting in. The question is whether uh, 
when the president of the United States travels, he, it, it just creates a tremendous logistical problem and yes. a security problem. And I don't see any any real benefit. Yeah, there's a certain symbolic idea of the president of the United States, but I, I, I just think that it might slow things down a little bit too much for him to go over. Um, but, I mean, from a symbolic thing, I, I think the, the fact that we're sending so many arms over is a good thing. Uh, the, the leaders from the uh, European countries that are going in, it's good. And I, and I think the other news this week that Finland and uh, Sweden, I guess, are, are both going into NATO. That's yes. going to be a good thing. Yes, I just this, saw this that turn out as well. At the end, be a real mistake on, on Putin's part because, one, the NATO countries now see that the Russian bear is not quite as powerful as they appeared to be. It's a rather inept army. And that, I think, is a surprise to everybody, which builds up the confidence of, of NATO. And now uh, NATO is going to be strengthened. They're finally doing what Donald Trump wanted, you know, paying their own way. They're starting to pay what they should be paying. Germany is still a little bit of a doubt on, on that as to how they're, they're going. But um, I, I think Putin has now grabbed a, a, what's the old expression about the tiger by the tail and doesn't know how, quite how to let go. That uh, Victory Day speech that he gave has been uh, really not not as big a thought as we they were thinking it might be complete mobilization. But he's running out of soldiers. He's he's, and I'm wondering where where are the professional soldiers? That these were all conscripts that were in in the initial invasion, and they did so poorly because they they lack what 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 makes our army great, James, is the fact of our NCOs, our sergeants and our junior officers. They can make decisions right on the ground. Yes. Apparently the Russians can't have that. They don't have an NCO Corps. Their junior officers are not authorized to make decisions. That's why so many uh, generals have been killed. They've, they've had to move up and take over. It's not the way for an army to run. Well, while we're on that, one thing that I think we've made a, a terrible blunder, and I don't know whether it's the government or whether the press, but uh, claiming that our intelligence helped uh, the Ukrainians sink the uh, destroyer, the Moskova, and other, and also that our intelligence helped kill the generals. I mean, why why do we have to come out and say that? Uh, that's just sort of goading them more and more and giving Putin more of an excuse to sort of rattle the nuclear saber a bit. So I, I like the idea that a lot of intelligence has been made available so that we can see what they're doing, but I don't think we should be taking credit for things. Let the Ukrainians take the credit for uh, having the intelligence to do that. It's, it's their area. They know how how the uh, operations work there. So, uh, But we're, we're, whether this is going to go over for a long time, the, I, I think this, this could go on for another six months to a year on, on how this is operating. And the Russians are being drained. We're just putting in so much material. The NATO countries are becoming encouraged. Uh, I would imagine the the S-300 uh, air defense system is now in place, which is going to further make it difficult for the uh, Russian Air Force to operate. I would like to see those MiG-29s that, that Biden personally turned down after the Secretary of State had said it had been green-lighted to get in there, at least if, not only to help uh, create a, a, an, air, an air cover for the country, but also to provide spare parts for the planes that are flying, because those things are going to start to wear out. So there's, it, it's, it's not quite at a soulmate, 
because the Russians still are occupying that area, but I think the Russians will probably try to establish some sort of an area, mock elections, and say this is now part of Russia. Will that, will that be it? Zelensky has said, no deal. We don't want to give up any aid. And I, I always find, find it almost, not, I hate to use the word comical, but the fact that the Russians are saying they're doing this for the denazification of uh, Ukraine. And if there is any peace talks, I hope that Zelensky, who is a Jew, will wear a Yamoko when he goes to those, I think that's what it's called, a little hat that is worn there to show that this is definitely not a Nazi country that is doing. That's uh, just to sort of rekindle the World War II image that Putin is trying to do. But uh, it's, uh, this has just, hey. I think, turned out to be a, a terrible disaster for, for Russia, what they've done in the... Yes. Some of the figures that are out... Uh, 15 to 18,000 Russian soldiers killed. That's a NATO estimate, not not the Ukrainian estimate. I don't know how they're coming up with that. Body count is always somewhat difficult to do, but there's they've lost so many tanks, and uh, now it apparently is difficult to manufacture new tanks because of all the shortages coming in because of the sanctions. Well, Larry, so before, uh, before we let you go and we get to our next guest, how do we get in touch with you online, social media, websites, all these things? Well, you know, I, uh, I, I stopped my, <laughs> my website some time ago, and uh, uh, the best way, of course, my book is on, on Amazon for uh, okay. public speaking. Uh, but otherwise, uh, through you would be the best way, James. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, Larry, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm doing a uh, paper for a retired military email community that I'm on, yes, run by yes. a Marine who used to work for me, and it's going to be uh, looking at the the whole situation on on how we look at it politically. Uh, how and this is not military, but it's on the fact that I've mentioned this before. I think the uh, Trump debate team did such a horrible job in not exploiting the information on the laptop that uh, they could have they could have done that and perhaps turned the whole election around if they'd brought that out. But most people didn't know just how how corrupt the Biden family was. So I'm just going to put that out, and I'll send that to you so you can put it on your website if you feel you'd like to. So well, I we can, have got uh, other things that I write. I will send in. You and it's your call yes. whether you want to put it on. Yes, indeed. Send it my way. We'll stick it on our website. Larry, I will talk to you next week, sir. Thank you, man. Looking forward to it, James. Thanks. Appreciate it. There he goes. That is Larry Tracy. He has got the book, Bring Home the Bacon. You can get that on Amazon. So we are going to go to our next guest. He joins us this week here on our big program. Welcome to it. It is, of course, Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Dr. David Wilcox is with us on the telephone. Doctor, how are you, my friend? Very good, Jiggy. Thanks for having me on today. I so appreciate it. you have got an amazing, amazing book, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, A Patient's Handbook for Survival. Tell me a little bit about this book. It's available on Amazon. Yes, it is. It's available up on Amazon. Um, I wrote the book because I want to put care back in healthcare. There's a, a lot of things the American public does not know that's going on in our healthcare system, um, including if you enter a hospital or when you go to pick up your prescription or when you get your insurance claim denial. Um, there's all kinds of things that people don't know that they can do when they're faced with situations like that, like how to stay safe in a hospital environment especially now when we have all these clinicians leaving 
um, due to burnout from COVID. So uh, it's crazy times, and I just wanted to level the playing field and give the layperson a fighting chance as they access the American healthcare system. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big program. It is an amazing book. Dr. David Wilcox is with us. He joins us live here on our big program. So, Dr. Wilcox, why did you decide to write How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System? Well, healthcare is complex, and that's not an accident. Healthcare is complex because of the, the entities that are vying for your healthcare dollars. They would prefer that you didn't know what was going on. Can you think of anything, Jiggy, that you go to buy that you have no idea what the price of it is going to cost? Anything. But in healthcare, that's the acceptable standard. That's right. Um, you know, you, you're going to get a procedure done, and people don't know that they can access that information, especially if they're self-pay or if they have a high deductible. There's ways to cut down those costs. So, um, for instance, healthcarebluebook.com, will give you the price estimate in your local area. Now, where I live, a total knee surgery at a hospital costs about $12,000 if I was going to pay out of pocket. But if I go to an ambulatory surgical center, that cost decreases to $8,000. So the hospitals don't want to be transparent and let you know the cost because if you find that out, you might go to the ambulatory surgical center and, and get your surgery done there. Uh, it's just craziness, the kind of stuff we put up with as Americans, and everybody's going to need health care, right? This isn't, this isn't something that isn't going to affect the people who are listening. Everybody out there is going to need health care at some point in their lives. Well, and one thing that I have always thought is strange, which uh, they don't seem to ever be getting rid of it, because I guess it makes them a lot of money, which that's what it's all about in the end. It's all about the money. Um, Dr. Wilcox, is this this thing that has happened the last, I don't know, six months or so, this mysterious medical billing where <laughs> you go to the hospital. Like, for instance, there was a gentleman that he, this happened several months ago. He went to the hospital. He went to the emergency room. He waited in line and waited in line because, of course, as, as we all know, socialism would be a lot worse than just waiting in line. And he waited <laughs> in line, waited in line, finally couldn't get the care that he needed, and he left. And when he got home, uh, because he had checked in, uh, they went ahead and bailed him anyway. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, I'm absolutely amazed that, that people are allowed to do this. So here's, a, here's another one, Jiggy. So I know somebody in my local community who was going to the hospital for surgery. Okay. This person checked out to make sure everybody was in network so that there wasn't going to be a lot of costs involved. It got it all straightened out, went in for surgery. The anesthesiologist that they grabbed was not in network, and this person got stuck with a $10,000 bill because somebody made that decision. I mean, it's, it's like... How do people get away with this? I mean, that might as well just stick a gun to your head and take your wallet, right? Because it's the same thing. Well, the thing the thing that always gets me, Dr. Wilcox, with this whole thing is I see situations like you just mentioned or the guy that was waiting in the emergency room and then he got his mysterious medical billing. Or I, I, I see some of the different things that happen and then... 
I sit there and I think about what all the righties always have to say where they go, oh, socialism would ruin the healthcare system. And I'm like, you know, I've seen this with all this horrible stuff going on with, with medical. Maybe we ought to give socialism a try. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what. What they, what they fail to, to understand is that the GDP for healthcare it's one-fifth of the economy, right? So nobody yes. really wants to fix it. Yeah. And the GDP is up to 19.7%. A lot of that's inflated from COVID. It was at 17.1%. Um, last year, it went up to 197 And so we are spending all this money on health care. And of the seven industrialized nations with health care, we are dead last in quality outcomes. Dead last. I mean, sure, uh, the Canadian health care system has some hiccups. Um, or, you know, Sweden's health care system has some hiccups. But the thing that people don't understand is there's actually a law out there called a non-interference clause in which Medicare can't negotiate drug prices, right? And the politician who put that law into effect is working for a pharmaceutical company on an off-brand type thing and making $2 million a year. But that costs Americans over $11 billion a year. Well, one of the things that I find absolutely amazing, Dr. Wilcox, by the way, Dr. Wilcox's incredible book, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, A Patient's Handbook for Survival, is available on Amazon. One of the things that I thought was was really interesting and really telling is I believe it was the first first week, might have been the first full week of the Donald Trump administration, where he had decided that Americans were getting screwed on this healthcare stuff. And so Bernie Sanders had a bill that they were going to, you know, get healthcare prices down and they were going to buy drugs from Canada or something. And Trump immediately was like, well, we need to get this going. And so he was excited and he was going to get this going. And then, as I always like to say, he got a phone call. And then the very next day, oh, magically, he was against it. So (laughs) it's always so strange. Yeah, well, it's not strange. I mean, the pharmaceutical companies spent $43 million across the aisle in the 2020 election, and they get their return on investment. They are unregulated. Yeah, and everybody thinks that they're making their money off the new drug that they had to do so much research for, by the way, your tax dollars pay for that research um, and development. But they think that that's where they're getting their money when they come out with this really high-priced drug, but it's not. It's all those little drugs that people are using, the low-pressors, the Crestor, um, those kind of drugs that every January they pop them up above inflation unless there's competition, you know, and they have to, they have to do something different. But for the most part, they're raking it in. 15 to 20% they're giving back to their shareholders almost every single quarter. So, you know, it's crazy because we pay more for medications than any other country. Yes. And this country manufactures the majority of the medications. Well, and the fact that... You know, regardless of what you believe with COVID and all the various things, uh, they made a lot of money on both 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 sides of the coin. They got uh, all the manufacturers got a lot of money from the uh, from the government, and then. 
They've made various money in other spots when it came to the whole pandemic. And I just, I'm amazed that the healthcare system in this country continues to just rake it in. Yeah, and you know, those drug manufacturers knew that this was a hundred year strategy because the flu shot that's still around that you either take or don't take every year yes. is a variant of the 1918 Spanish flu. So yes. they jumped on this. They know they're going to be raking this in. And so, you know, we're going to hear about boosters for a long time. Oh, yes. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. Dr. Wilcox is with us. He is amazing. And uh, he's one of these guys that gets it. He's not one of these, you know, righties or these lefties. He's, he's, he's kind of down the middle, which is just amazing. And they need to, they need to put you in the cloner because we need more people like you, my friend. Uh, he has developed an incredible book here, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. A Patient's Handbook for Survival. It is available on Amazon. So how exactly do we get away from all this craziness when it comes to the medical industry? Or is it just a case of everybody's pretty much just screwed? Well, um, that is an excellent question. So under the current system, which is called fee-for-service, that means that if you show up at the hospital or at the doctor's office, they're collecting on you and they're making money because you showed up. So what we saw during COVID was when people didn't show up, we, the taxpayers, had to bail out the, the hospitals. What only 25% of Americans know about, and, and this is big, is that there is a different system other than fee-for-service out there, and it's called value-based care. So... Under, like we said, under fee-for-service, you show up, they get paid. You don't show up, they don't get paid. With value-based care, the insurance company works with a group of doctors or a network of doctors to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and give you X amount of dollars to take care of Jiggy's health. And if you can keep him healthy and out of the hospital, you can keep the profit. So now these guys are incentivized. They have some skin in the game. So you start to get those text messages. Hey, you're due for your colonoscopy or, hey, you, you need to get your flu shot because these guys know that if you get sick and you go to the hospital, they're the ones paying for it. It's a capitated model, but it works really well. In fact, in the middle of COVID, when we were bailing out hospitals left and right, the value-based care industry made $4.1 billion. They saved $4.1 billion because it didn't matter if you showed up or not. They can hook you up on telehealth. It didn't matter if you came to the office because they were getting money. So it's a much better system. It's one that America really, really needs to move towards. Because when, pe- when your doctor is incentivized to keep you healthy, then you're both working together. You're a better partner in your care, and your doctor's paying attention. Well, it is an amazing, amazing book. Dr. Wilcox with us today. He joins us live here. On our big broadcast, he's the author of How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, a patient's handbook for survival. So with this book, what do you want readers to take away from your writing in this book? Yes. Um, so first of all, the, the main point, I want them to be proactively educated. Man, I cannot tell you how many times I saw people come in the hospital scared to death because now, you know, they're, you're getting meals when they say you're getting meals. And by the way, the foods are really crappy. And, you know, you're in a gown with your backside exposed, and all of a sudden people are trying to give you pills. You don't know what they are. 
So what I really want Americans to understand is proactive education will increase their chances of getting safer patient care. Up until COVID, medical errors were the third leading cause of death. That's craziness. Um, and, you know, and so you're seeing this Rodonda, this nurse that, that gave a medication that killed somebody in Nashville, Tennessee. She's going to be sentenced tomorrow, actually, um, for reckless homicide and um, abuse of an impaired elder. And so the hospitals encourage medical staff to report medical errors. And so these medical errors, when they happen, they can dig into them and find out where did the system break down. And in this case, she may, she may actually do jail time over this. Wow. So this is setting medical reporting back about 20 years. So that's even more, it's even more important you get this book and educate yourself because there are nurses now who are, when things happen, they're going to keep their mouth shut like that doctor that recently was charged for 14 homicides because he was giving huge doses of fentanyl to patients um, and, and ending their lives. And he didn't say a word and he got acquitted. So watch out, Americans, because medical reporting is something that's, that is essential for us to understand where the gaps in care are. Medical errors being the third leading cause of death prior to COVID, you got to be educated. And that's really what I want. I want to touch as many people as I can with this knowledge so that they're ready for when they have to access the American health care system or they get the insurance claim denial or they go to the pharmacy and they tell them they want $500 for a prescription. That's, that's the main goal of um, this book. We have got a great guest with us today. Dr. Wilcox is with us here on our big broadcast, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, a patient's handbook for survival. Um, one of the things that the righties constantly, <laughs> constantly talk about is, oh, my God, if we had Medicare for all, we'd be, in, we'd be socialist. Oh, my God, socialism. And the thing that I don't understand about all this is that I know a lot of people who are of elderly or disabled who have Medicaid and Medicare, and they don't have any issues. Um, is it just the fact that the pharmaceutical industry has paid all these people off? Is that what's going on? Can you hear me? I've got you, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm raring to go. We've got you. Oh, boy. We've lost. Can you hear me? I've got you, my friend. You're right here with us. We've got you. Apparently, we don't. Okay. That's always good. Okay. We are. (laughs) I always love asking questions, and then the guest doesn't hear a goddamn thing. It's always fun. Okay. Let's try this again here. Okay, we are going to go back to the phone. I think Dr. Wilcox is back with us. So, doctor, can you hear us now, my friend? Are you live? Can we hear you? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, perfect. So, um, how do we get away from this system in the United States? Because I always hear, uh, as I was saying earlier, um, I always hear the righties talk about, oh, my God. If we go to Medicaid and Medicare and Medicare for all, it's going to be socialism. It's going to ruin the world, all this stuff. 
I know a lot of people who are elderly or disabled and they have Medicaid and they have Medicare and there's no problems. Um, how do we get to this point? Because, for instance, um, I think it was it was Jimmy Dore, I believe, last year who wanted to do a thing called Force the Vote. And he wanted to get the Democrats, since they ran all the houses of uh, government, to vote on Medicare for All so we could figure out who were the ones that were taking money and vote them out. And all the various Democrats were like, no, 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 we can't do force the vote. We can't do this. We can't do this. My thing is, is that if we could get on the record who's for Medicare for All and who's not, then we know those are the folks that are being paid off by the pharmaceutical and medical industry. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm with you 100% on that. The, the only thing that I would say about Medicare for All is that Medicare only pays 80%. Yes. So you, that leaves a 20% gap. So you have to have gap insurance and Medicare for All is basically um, the model that you would have to have to set it up. But there are a lot of entities that are vying for your health care dollars, so... Big Pharma doesn't want that to happen, right? They don't want you negotiating low pressure for the entire country. Um, the insurance companies definitely don't want that to happen because they can keep everything pretty much from being price transparent no matter what law is in place. In fact, there is a price transparency law in place, and only, and only 15% of the hospitals have actually made any move towards showing you what the prices are on the web for various procedures. Other 85 haven't done it. Um, it's not... So I don't know if we could get to Medicare for all, and that's why I talk about value-based care. I think um, when you have a capitated model and the doctor's got to work with the patient, I think that's what's going to get us safer, um, better care, where they're proactively looking out for us. Um, be, and the numbers actually show that. So, um, But Medicare for all, I don't know if this country will ever be able to do it. I mean, we're so divided politically, it'd, it'd be... It's a big uphill battle for that one. One of the things that I know that everybody and their brother, um, you know, had this issue with uh, with Trump. They were all like, oh, my God, Donald Trump, he's going to, you know, destroy the earth and all this. And uh, everybody was all, oh, my God. But one of the things that I thought was great that Trump did is he got rid of that weird thing in Obamacare, which... I don't know why they call it Obamacare because it's Romney Care because it was written by the Heritage Foundation and they just slapped Obama's name on it. Yep. But whatever. Um, <laughs> they got rid of that mandated if you don't have it, if you don't have it, the, their insurance, you got to pay a fine, which I always thought was a big scam. Um, what What do you think of that? That whole health care that they passed because I know that when Biden was running. Um, worst to first, as I like to call him, said, um, well, he was going to expand on Obamacare and uh, he was going to call it Biden care, which he must have forgotten to do that because he hasn't done that yet. But I, I, what, what, what do you think about the whole health care system with, in regards to, to quote-unquote Obamacare? So prior to Obamacare, insurance companies could select who they were going to insure because insurance is a business in which they want to take the money in, but they don't necessarily want to pay it out. Yes. And if you're really sick and you're switching insurance, it's 
back then they could call it a pre-existing condition and you wouldn't be able to get insurance. <laughs> the, the other piece of that, too, was they were only obligated to spend 60% to 65% of the money that they received on health care. Obamacare changed that because now they have to spend 85% on actual health care. Um, so what they did to adjust their margins was they raised the rates. And, and, you know, everybody blamed Obama, but it was really the insurance companies who did that in reaction because now they had to cover everybody. They had to cover kids until they were 26. They had to cover people on dialysis, very costly, right? Um, so that's basically what happened. I think that we're much better off with Obamacare than we were prior to it. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that there is something. I just hate the fact that, you know, it was it was originally a Mitt Romney plan in Utah, and then they rewrote a few things and went, oh, it's Obamacare. <laughs> and, and everybody went, well, this is the greatest thing ever. And then they made people who weren't on the insurance pay the fine or pay the fee. So that 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 was always my issue with with it, but I'm I'm glad that there is something because it's better than having nothing. Yeah, and you see what happens with unregulated industries like the pharmaceutical company; they can charge whatever they want. And yes. if you're really sick, man, you're going to pay. In fact, I I got consulted this week on a guy who they prescribed an oral chemo drug for, and the insurance company there's a little entity that sits between the pharmaceutical company and the insurance company called a pharmacy benefit manager. And that pharmacy benefit manager said, no, we're not going to pay for it unless this person drives two hours to the hospital and they administer it there. It's an oral pill, right? So there's no reason to do that. And that would have been four hours out of that very sick person's day every day. So they consulted me to say, you know, what else can we do? We're getting denied left and right. And I told them, I said, one little known fact that your oncologist can do is he can call that insurance company and ask for a peer-to-peer review, meaning he gets to talk to a doctor there. No more of these pharmacy benefit managers saying, oh, it's too costly, or here's, here's how we're going to cover it. These guys don't even have any medical training, a little too none, and they're making these decisions. But if you're really sick, it's going to cost you money because that industry is unregulated. And so we're still working to get this guy's oral chemo drug, um, because that's the best for his outcome. The other drug that he could use would make him sicker than all get out. He would have to be an inpatient in the hospital to get it. And, uh, you know, it's, they just don't, they've taken the care out of health care. Yes. These insurance companies. Yes, they have. The pharmaceutical companies, they take the care out of health care. You know, that's not why I got into health care. I got into health care to take care of people. Yes. I feel like it's a calling. Uh, and so, again, that's why I wrote the book, because I want to take care of people so that they understand what's going on. They know what to do when they run into these situations. Well, Doctor, I appreciate you making time for us today. The book is How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, a Patient's Handbook for Survival. It's available on Amazon. Thank you, Doctor, and I definitely would love to have you back and uh, chat with you more about this topic. Thanks for coming on today, my friend. Sure, and you can actually access my website at drdavidwilcox.com. That's drdavidwilcox.com. Fantastic. Well, doctor, have yourself a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir.
Thank you, Jiggy. I appreciate it. Have a good day. There we go. It is this week's edition of our Big Broadcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.